This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. Here's not got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome to Welcome to War Room. I'm John Fredericks filling in for Steve Bannon. Steve will be back on Monday. Great to have you with us. We're live in New Hampshire where things are rocking here for President Trump. He had a rally with J.D. Vance. This is in Kingston, New Hampshire at the Saddle Up Saloon owner Bobby Paggs, big Trump supporter. We're going to get a few words from him. The enthusiasm here, unbelievable. J.D. Vance delivering a uh, just a very, very effective Call to action is what I would say. Looking forward to a Trump presidency, outlining what the president, what President Trump will do when he takes office. And all his focus was on the border. He says it's got to be closed immediately. He says President Trump, as president, has to send in the troops to stop the cartels, the fentanyl. He says you stop the cartels, you're going to stop this onslaught of fentanyl and illegals and human trafficking coming into the uh, country at the southern border. So... J.D. Vance, a long-term supporter, as you know, of the president, and we're going to be uh, speaking to him momentarily. But want to go to the top of the hour here, top of the news. Let's get, guys, graphic A um, right off the bat. We've got a New Hampshire poll out today, which is from the Boston Globe and NBC. Guys, if you could put that up. This is the second poll, second poll showing uh, President Trump now with a commanding lead in New Hampshire. This is the Boston Globe NBC poll. Trump at 52%, Nikki Haley 38%, Ron DeSantis trailing badly. He's pulled out of the state. His campaign is on life support, and uh, we're about to pull the plug on him in New Hampshire. He put all of his eggs in the South Carolina basket. His pack always backed down or never backed down, whatever the hell it's called. That thing is imploding. They're laying people off like crazy. The DeSantis campaign about done. Now, we got a, we've got uh, in New Hampshire... One of the concerns that the Trump campaign has is Nikki Haley and her donors have gone after independents and Democrats to vote in this primary. The Trump campaign identifying about 3,000 Democrats that have uh, registered as independents, not affiliated, so they can vote for Nikki Haley in the upcoming primary on Tuesday. That's getting her about to the 38% range. But the enthusiasm for President Trump off the charts. Talking of enthusiasm for President Trump, Joining me now, Ohio Republican Senator J.D. Vance. Senator, it's always good to have you with us. We keep bumping into it, Senator, at the strangest places. <laughs> That's right. This is a strange place, though, John. This is a good place, and uh, it's good to be on the campaign trail in support of the president. I think, like you said, the enthusiasm here really is off the charts. And you hit upon something that's really important here, which is do we let the Democrats and the media choose our nominee? 
because we know who the Democrats and the media want as our nominee. It's not Donald Trump. Do we choose the guy who actually represents the people? Uh, I think the choice for new voters in New Hampshire is very easy. I think we're going to win here. And I think when we win here, it's time for the party to stop this madness, spend money on the general election on beating Joe Biden rather than on tearing down our nominee. You know, Senator, one of the, uh, the one of the hypocrisies of the Haley campaign is she's saying, well, I'm the only one that can beat Biden. Democrats are registering as not affiliated to vote for Haley. So in the fall, they can turn around and vote for Biden exactly. because they think she's an easier a target than President Trump, who's is now way ahead in the polls. I mean, is that just the height of hypocrisy? It's completely crazy. John, look, this entire thing is based on an idea that voters don't know Nikki Haley that well across the country, okay? So what she's saying is, well, look, I'm a better general election candidate than Donald Trump, but you think that she's going to still be standing after the Democrats drop hundreds of millions of attack ads, after the media machine goes to war against her? The only candidate I think we have with the resilience in the face of those media attacks is Donald Trump, which is why I think voters are going to select him as our nominee. You know, Senator, one of the things, uh, there's a lot of many things I respect about you, but why I really wanted to come to your event today and why I came to your event in uh, Atlanta a couple, couple weeks back is uh, your loyalty to the movement and to President Trump. You were in a very competitive sure. primary with some really good candidates, and you were going to get outspent, no question about it. And uh, President Trump came to your aid, endorsed you, that put you over the top, and, and actually enabled you to be center representing people of Ohio. When Trump announced in Mar-a-Lago, you came out immediately for President yeah. Trump. There was no hesitation. Explain that move. Well, look, I, I, one of the things I've learned in Washington and just in life is loyalty really matters. I come from an Appalachian family. Uh, Appalachians believe in their heart uh, that you're loyal to people, right? And President Trump was a good president. Like you said, he helped me a lot in my own race, and he's a good man. You combine all those three things together, I think it's really sick, frankly, how many in the Republican Party try to throw him under the bus. It's a little bit weird, and that's just not how you treat people. I'm going to be loyal to the president because I think that he was not just loyal to me, but he's loyal to the country. That's the most important thing. Senator, let's get the business in Congress right now. The uh, Senator Lankford McConnell bill, uh, when I first read that, honestly, I thought I was reading The Onion. Like, I couldn't believe that a, a Republican Senate would actually forward a bill for amnesty. 5,000 illegals come in, so I guess 5,000 a day means they're legal or not illegal. Uh, that didn't make any sense. Then they're going to get they're going to get right to work. They're going to get IDs. They're going to get driver's license. They basically want to codify the uh, Obama doctrine of open border policy. I mean, how does how do people take the Republican Party seriously when they put out that kind of a bill? It's a disaster, John, and they're not going to take us seriously, and it's going to depress turnout and enthusiasm. People need to know that the Republican Party is going to stand for something here. That doesn't mean amnesty for thousands of illegal aliens per day. It doesn't mean refusing to really negotiate on the border crisis. And importantly, John, this is all a fig leaf. The, the American people are being told this is a border security package. It's all in the service of sending another $61 billion to Ukraine. We should not be doing that to begin with, and we certainly shouldn't be doing it for the fig leaf of border security that's really just amnesty. In your judgment, what is really the genesis of the obsession with continuing to fund Ukraine when we have to borrow the money from China to do it? Like, Explain that. 
Look, I think I hate to say it, John. A lot of people are getting rich about it or getting rich off of it. A lot of defense contractors and a lot of people who don't like Donald Trump who are making a lot of money from this. But I also think, John, it's people can't admit error. I don't begrudge anybody for being wrong about this particular conflict. I've been saying for a long time this is going to turn into a quagmire, no end in sight. The question you have to ask yourself is at what point do we admit to ourselves this was a big mistake? It's hard for people. You know this, John. It's hard for me to admit that I was wrong, but this Ukraine conflict is a Disaster. This is one really important point on this, John. If we don't stop doing this, we are not going to have enough weapons to defend our own country. We don't make enough of that stuff in this country anymore. East Asia, China, others make way too much of it. So what we're putting ourselves in a situation is all of the bullets, all the artillery shells, all the missile systems are going to Ukraine. What about American troops if, God forbid, we have to fight a war for our own defense? Let me ask you this, because you're 100% correct. Uh, if there's an invasion of Taiwan right now, based on what you're aware of in your position in the Senate, are we prepared for that? I don't think that we are, John. I, in fact, I, I think the biggest concern with what's going on in Ukraine is it is inviting Chinese aggression because they know we don't have the weapon systems to support both Ukraine and Taiwan. And look, I've been I've been against putting more resources in Ukraine from the beginning. Taiwan is a totally different story, John. As you appreciate, if, if the Chinese take Taiwan, we lose our computer chips. We lose a ton of the new technologies that are necessary to power the modern economy. We can't let the Chinese walk into Taiwan, but that's exactly what we're going to do if we don't get more serious about prioritizing. This is the heart of statesmanship, John. Donald Trump could prioritize, okay, we've got this problem and this problem and this problem. We've got to focus on one more than the others. Biden is just throwing crap against the wall and hoping some of it sticks. Unfortunately, too many congressional Republicans are doing the same thing. Senator, the spending bill that uh, a, lot of, a lot of us believe that uh, Speaker uh, Mike Johnson just sold out again like McCarthy sold out on the debt. So you've got another CR going down, no changes, no cuts. Uh, what is, again, the, the frustration, what is the purpose of the Republican majority in the House when they're basically running the McCarthy-Pelosi spending agenda? Well, it's un unfortunately, the, the one thing I will say in, in, in Speaker Johnson's defense, and we really have to hold Republicans' feet to the fire on this, is that he's not going to let the amnesty deal move through the House. That's the most important thing. The I will the link. I, I will forgive any sin if we don't allow this Ukraine first amnesty bill to move through the House. But look, the problem, John, we're, we're kicking the can down the road. Um, these continuing resolutions, they don't deal with our spending problem. They don't force us to actually ask tough questions. How much revenue is coming in? How much revenue is going out? You can't run a government by kicking the can down the road. You can't run a household budget by kicking the can down the road. You certainly shouldn't be doing it in the federal government. Uh, I know your time is short. In Ohio, in the last election, uh, Ohioans codified abortion on demand, which yep. took it off the ballot, which basically is the end of any hope of your uh, Ohio Democrat colleague from getting reelected, in my judgment. <laughs> um, I think that was a bad night for him. But um, when you look at the abortion issue and the way it drove people out, especially in Virginia, it was a number one issue. Uh, when you go into this election, it's kind of gotten off the radar screen, but the turnout was there. What should Republicans position on this be? How do we 
navigate our way through that because it's going to be a big issue again. No, it is. And, and look, my, my attitude here is I'm very pro-life. I want to save as many babies as humanly possible. We can't do that unless we win elections, right? So we have to advance an argument to the American people that they actually buy into and they're willing to support us and vote for us. I think the middle ground right now, John, is something like a 15-week abortion ban with exceptions for rape and incest, protect the babies that can feel pain, set a, set a standard, and then let the states figure it out from there. I think that's electorally possible, and that's an argument we can actually win. What, what we've shown that we can't win the argument is when they are coming to us saying that if you are raped, this Republican's going to make you, you know, carry the baby to term. That's not a winning political argument for us, John. Do I think it's false? Do I think that it's, it's a fake argument? Do I think it's unfair? Yes. But you got to win the argument before you can actually legislate, and that's not what we're doing yet. Are you in favor of federalizing the 15 weeks or leaving it up to each individual state the way Ohio did? I, I, I like the idea of a minimum federal standard and then let the states figure it out from there. If California wants to set different rules, if Ohio wants to set different rules. But look, 15 weeks, that's crazy. No European country allows abortion after 15 weeks. That's when the fetus, the baby, in my view, can actually feel real pain. I think that's a total reasonable standard. I think 80 percent of the American people agree with us. Senator, you came into the Senate. Uh, and whenever you first come in, told a lot of different things, got to your office. What was the biggest surprise that you had as a new senator? Senators don't work very hard, John, which I guess when Chuck Schumer's the majority leader, maybe that's not uh, the worst thing in the world. Uh, but it is shocking how much vacation time that we get when there are so many crises in the world. Um, you know, we actually need to do the American people's business. We need to stop kicking the can down the road, do some real legislation. And unfortunately, the Senate's just doing way too little of that. If Trump wins again, you're in the Senate. Is there anything you know, where everybody's concerned now about the administrative state? The number of federal employees that Biden has hired is stunning. It's crazy. I mean, you think Obama hired a lot. I mean, there's not an opening. They got desks with people without phones and computers. They're just there to vote for them, hand out ballots or whatever they do in violation of the Hatch Act. Is there anything really that we can do to break up this uh, logger hold that the administrative state has in trying to stop everything that President Trump is going to do like they did 17 to 20. Uh, there is something that we can do. And, and by the way, just on this point, I, I, I deal with this all the time with constituents in Ohio who can't get their Social Security benefits paid. And yet Biden's bureaucrats in Washington at the Social Security Administration aren't even showing up for work. They're working from home while the people that I serve cannot get the benefits they're entitled to. It's insane. It's completely disgraceful that we allow this to happen in our government, and it makes me very mad. The thing that we can do to solve the administrative state is very simple, and it's the most important thing maybe for Donald Trump to be able to do. He's got to fire federal bureaucrats who don't listen to him. It's really, it sounds simple, but it actually requires a Senate and a House that are willing to stand up and defend the president. You know, if Donald Trump you know, fires some bureaucrat and the media says this is a threat to democracy, this is fascism, he actually needs his congressional allies to stand up and show some spine, because that will be the moment that determines, are we a constitutional republic or are we an oligarchy that's run by bureaucracy, excuse me, an oligarchy run by bureaucracy. Senator J.D. Vance. Always good to see you, sir. Likewise. Thanks for being with us Thanks, on man. The War Room. We'll see you soon. John Fredericks filling in for Steve Bannon. We're going to be right back. Keep it right here. We're in Kingston, New Hampshire. We will fight till they're all gone. We rejoice when there's no more. Let's take down the CCP. As we head toward a presidential election in November, one thing you can be sure of, 2024 will be a tumultuous year like no other. 
How will your hard-earned savings fare during this year? You're already seeing the impacts of inflation at the pump, the grocery store. The dollar continues to lose buying power quicker than your wages can increase. How are you protecting your savings? Consider diversifying with gold from Birch Gold Group. For decades, gold has been the choice of investors and central banks to hedge against inflation. Now, you can own it in a tax-sheltered IRA with the help of Birch Gold. Just text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898, and Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on gold. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. With an A-plus rating, with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of satisfied customers, you can trust Birch Gold. Text Bannon to 989898 to claim your free info kit. That's Bannon to 989898. And secure your savings now. Take action. Text Bannon at 989898. Action, action, action. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Now you're back in the war room. I'm John Fredericks filling in for Steve Bannon. Steve, we're back on Monday. I'm at the Saddle Up Saloon in Kingston, New Hampshire. We're going to be here the whole week. We're going to be bringing right on RV the best coverage. Also on the John Fredericks Media Network, the best coverage you're going to get in New Hampshire. Because you know why? We sit up here every day, and here's what we do. We actually tell you the truth. The truth, my friends, will set you free. Now, let's get to, well, we're talking about New Hampshire. It's going to be a big event tomorrow. President Trump has a rally. One of his invited speakers, Senator South Carolina, Tim Scott. Why is Tim Scott there? Well, because today Tim Scott says he's going to officially endorse President Trump tomorrow at this rally, Senator South Carolina. Now, this is going to be a death knell blow to Nikki Haley, who was the former governor of South Carolina. So Tim Scott, who dropped out of the race a few months ago, just couldn't get traction, set to endorse President Trump. Whoop, we got a little power issue here at, at uh, Saddle, Saddle Up going on, so kind of bear with us if we go in and out. We're, you, you're going to hang with us. Anyway, uh, where were we? We, uh, we were to um, Tim Scott going to endorse President Trump tomorrow. Now, let's get to, I think this is, uh, is going to be graphic um, uh, B, guys. Let's get to the South Carolina poll that just came out. The other day, this is the Fabrizio poll. This is before Tim Scott's endorsement of Nikki Haley. Let's put these numbers up, right? Hold on to your seat. Put these numbers up. Trump, 64%. Excuse me? I thought Nikki Haley was the governor there. Haley, 25%. DeSantis, who has moved the final vestiges, the final skeleton crew of his campaign against six people, moved them to South Carolina, he's at 8%. He just needs to get out of this race before he further embarrasses himself, get back to Tallahassee and do what governors do. This thing over for him. But Trump 64-25 over Haley. This is before the Tim Scott endorsement. You put that in there, it's probably going to go up higher. This is going to be the end of Nikki Haley. So you can kind of forget that. Latest poll numbers out. Joining me now, let's get a two-shot here, the owner of uh, the... <laughs> of the Saddle Up Saloon here in Kingston, a great Trump supporter, Bobby Pags. Bobby, it was so nice of you to have this big event here, this rally with J.D. Vance. Uh, you've been a big Trump supporter, Bobby Pags. You know, tell us about what inspired this whole thing. So since Trump was president, right, correct, and uh, 
I thought it was the best time. Those, you know, since he was president, it was the best time for me personally. Uh, since he's been out, things have gone to shit. Part of my French, and uh, now let's make America we'll great again. You know what we'll I mean? Let me pay the fine. Pay for the that. fine. Pay it's the worth fine. it. But uh, free drinks know. for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> no. Anyways, um, so I try to support, you know, Trump as much as possible. So when I got reached out, they asked me if they could use the location. I said, absolutely, let's do it. Well, Bobby, we really appreciate that. This is a great location for J.D. Vance. He loved it. And uh, as a business owner, uh, with the difference in owning your business between Trump president and Biden president, just describe some of the economics going on as a small business owner, Bobby Pax. Well, let's describe one thing. People were spending a lot more money when Trump was around. Things have definitely changed. Uh, people's wallets are tighter. Um, obviously, because, you know, people still somehow collect an unemployment, which is killing us. Okay, now things are running out, and now people have no money, and wondering why, you know, when I was looking for workers for the last four years, all of a sudden everyone wants a job. But, you know, they were home collecting during this, and it hurt, you know. So I mean, that's what is what the happened. deal? We, we, we've been hearing this. I mean, I... I have so many small businesses that uh, are customers of, of mine on my radio network. And, you know, you ask them, you know, tell me your biggest challenge, what keeps you up at night. And it's not like, well, a declining economy. Inflation. You know what the number one concern is of the business owner? They, they can't find help. Can't find help. They can't find, it doesn't matter what they pay, they can't find help. And I'm, I'm like, why? Why is that? I mean, 18 months of COVID changed a quarter, a, a 200 and quarter of a century culture in a country, 18 months of COVID changed the whole culture. Everybody wanted to work. They wanted to be successful. They wanted to get up. They wanted to have a job. You know, they wanted to move up the ladder. Young, old, it didn't matter. Now these younger people, they don't, they don't, they don't want to go to work. Listen, let's talk about this. How about dishwashers at 16 years old want $20 an hour? Unheard of. How do you survive? You don't. It's a struggle. You know, I, I remember when my son, my uh, oldest son, Jack, was 16 or 15 or something. He was a dishwasher, and I, he got the minimum wage, like $8. $8. And they were like, wait, when, when he got paid, he was so proud of that, you know, that he actually accomplished something. He had, you know, little uh, money for different things he wanted to get. And, uh, you know, he took every overtime, every weekend they gave him, bust the tables, was happy to do it. Now you can't find help. Can't find help. Because we changed the culture. You got it. That's what happened. Right. Exactly right. right. Tell, tell us about the level of enthusiasm you're getting from people that come into your establishment that are Trump supporters. What's different between now and 2020? Do you see a difference? I do see a difference. What is it? I see the Trump supporters are definitely growing even more. Um, but, I mean, settle soon. I don't know anyone that comes here that's not a Trump supporter. <laughs> So, this is the Trump place to be. This is the Trump place to be. All right, Bobby Pags, I want to thank you for being Pleasure with us. Pleasure to meet you. Thank you for allowing us to no come in here and opening up your your establishment. And uh, I think the official happy hour on the War Room and the John Frederick's Media Network starts at 6.01. So that's where we're going to be, at 6.01 here at uh, the Saddle Up Saloon. If you're in the area in Kingston, come by, check us out. Thank you, thank Bobby you. Pags. Okay, we're going to get now to this, uh, this, this battle going on on the border. Uh, tr tr President Trump today blasting Mitch McConnell and uh, Senator Lankford, blasting that bill, as you just heard Senator J.D. Vance did, uh, skewering them 
urging senators not to support that bill, urging House members to kill it in the crib. This basically is an amnesty bill. You know what it reminds me of? Remember the Gang of Eight? Remember, this is what defeated Eric Cantor in Virginia. Dave Bratt beat Eric Cantor in Virginia on this one issue. It was the Gang of Eight when you had, what was it, McCain and Mark Warner and Rubio all playing footsie in, in there with uh, Bar Barack Obama on amnesty, trying to get that done. This bill is a facade, it's a fake, and it's, it's put forth by Republicans. This is the problem we have with the party. At the end of the day, it stands for nothing. It's the uniparty. The whole thing is a mess, and you just get become dispirited. This thing has to be just uprooted, lock, stock, and barrel. I had a uh, reporter ask me earlier what happens in 2028. Here was my answer after Trump wins. Whatever we want to have happen, because this is the greatest movement, the greatest populist movement in the history of this country. And when Trump wins, when Pre President Trump puts his hand on the Bible, January, uh, high noon, January 20th, 2029, I'm, 20, I'm sorry, 2025. 2029 is when I'm retiring, right? I get them all mixed up. 25, that's going to be the first day where this thing starts. And I'm not looking ahead to 28, but I'm going to tell you this. By that time, we will have taken over the Republican Party. It's going to be a wholly owned subsidiary of MAGA, the populist movement, America first. There's going to be no pathway to get nominated for dog catcher without our votes. That's how big this movement is, folks. And so as dispirited as you can be now, looking at these amnesty bills and looking at what uh, Speaker Johnson did or whatever you want to call him, MJ, you know, selling out again, kicking a can down the road, no cuts, nobody stands for anything. But all we get is talk. They go on Fox News, yabbity, yabbity, yabbity. All they do is talk. At the end of the day, you know, we're talking about, oh, 100 people voted no. Well, over 100 voted yes. <laughs> that's, that's the, it's not the 100 voted no. Over 100 voted yes. They passed this bill with Democrat support. If you look at what's going on right now, the Speaker of the House is Hakeem Jeffries. That's the Speaker. I mean, that's just reality. And it doesn't matter what we do. He's calling the shots. Barack Obama is running the White House. And Mike Johnson can't compete with these people. He just is in over his head. And look, McCarthy was a swamp rat. He just wanted the money and the power. We knew that. We kicked him out. Now we got a guy that just can't compete. He can't stand for anything. They're afraid to shut the government down and stand up to Schumer and stand up to Hakeem Jeffries and stand up to the fake news state-run media. They're all scared to death. I mean, you can't run. You can't run a movement. You can't run a party when you run it out of fear. And what are they afraid of? Right? I think we went down again. Are we still on? I'm still good? How much time we got? Okay, I'm still good. We got a problem here with the power going in and out. So if I seem a little dark, uh, it's not that the gremlins turned it out on us, but um, we have a little problem with the power. But that is the bottom line, folks. When you're fighting Barack Obama, who is running the country, you can't go to a knife fight with a pop gun, which is what Johnson does. Obama goes in with tanks and half tracks and flamethrowers. I mean, you just can't compete with these people. And we refuse to stand up to them. We refuse to fight. We refuse to go to the American people and say, the country is going bankrupt. We have to cut spending. We can't continue to do this. We're going to have to shut this thing down until the Senate passes our bills. It's up to them to do this because we cannot continue it on the same path. But they never do it. So they're always afraid, well, you know, we're going to lose the narrative. 
What good is the narrative if you don't have a country? That's basically where we are right now. Lots of stuff going on, and uh, we're going to be, and RAV is going to be right there with you. We got uh, so many rallies this weekend. Uh, our bus tour is out here. We got the mega. I finally got back from Des Moines, Iowa. I don't know how long I was stuck there, but we finally got out. Hey, we got ahead of the snow. So big shout out to my driver, Lowry Kelly, who kept us about 20 miles ahead of the storm. We finally got here. You want to find out where we're going? Sign the bus. Go to MagaBusTour.com. MagaBusTour.com. And uh, we're going to be at the Elise Stefanik event tomorrow at 10 a.m. So we're looking forward to that. So right here on War Room, and I'm going to be with you again tomorrow, just before I forget, at 11 a.m. Filling in for Steve Bannon. Once again, we'll be at the Elise Stefanik event. Caroline Levitt, National Press Secretary, Trump campaign, is next. Keep it right here on The War Room. I'm John Fredericks. Everything's and you are over. Cause we're taking down the CCP. Traditional corporate media is crumbling. Why? Because they're hiding something, something big. People are realizing that they're being lied to left and right, even by institutions they thought they could trust. But you, you've known the truth all along. You also know that time to prepare for what's coming is right now. Don't delay, no hesitancy, but right now. Get started by going to MyPatriotSupply.com. There, you'll save $200 on an essential three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. Over the years, My Patriot Supply has helped millions of American families prepare for emergencies. Yours should be next. Sealed inside, ultra-durable packaging, their delicious meals last up to 25 years in storage and provide over 2,000 calories a day. Eat right. When things go wrong with these three-month emergency food kits from My Patriot Supply, with $200 in savings, you can get enough for each family member. They deserve your protection. Today, go to MyPatriotSupply.com. Order by 3 p.m. for free same-day shipping. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. Do it today. Use your agency. Action, action, action. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to the War Room. I'm John Fredericks filling in for Steve Bannon. Steve will be back on Monday in the Saddle Up Saloon, where we just had the J.D. Vance event for President Trump. Big rally here, big crowd, very enthusiastic. And uh, if you see a little uh, a little activity behind me, that is the cleanup crew. If the lights go out and I get dark, that's because somebody stepped on a wire here. So uh, that's what's going on. But it's good to have you with us here. Don't forget tomorrow, 10 a.m. on War Room. I'm going to be hosting at 11. We're going to be at the Elise Stefanik event here in New Hampshire. Look, I want to give a shout out to an old friend who just came back with the company, Austin Sorensen, running the camera right in front of me, left the company, went to Denver, went to work for one of those news outlets. They treat him like crap, couldn't stand it, couldn't make any decisions, hated it, right? So now he's back and he's running the camera. Now, one thing about Austin, I got to deal with, he's a Jets fan. Jets suck. Dallas sucks. They all suck. Sorry. But uh, I guess if you're a Dallas fan, did you see Jerry Jones crying on TV? At first I saw it and I'm like, oh, I hate to see a grown man cry. So that kind of felt bad for him. 
for about two seconds, and then he didn't. So Cowboys out. Anyway, Jets, good luck next season when you get Aaron Rodgers back, and we'll see what happens if you finally have a quarterback. Austin, great to have you back with uh, REV and the, and, the, and the team. Joining me now, Daniel Shepard. He is the Stratham County captain of the Trump 24, uh, 2024 campaign. Daniel, tell me, what does a county captain do? What are your responsibilities, and how does it look? Well, uh, as a town captain, we are getting the ground game going. We're doing a lot of door knocking. We're doing a lot of uh, phone calling. Uh, so we keep the phone banks going. Um, we help with all of the rallies. There have been quite a few lately. It's New Hampshire, so uh, things get real busy this time of year. Now, tell me about Stratham County. Like, for the people that are national, that are not from New Hampshire, where is it? How does it fit into the whole geography here? Well, town of Stratham is a part of Rockingham County, where we are now. Um, it's in that small little segment of New Hampshire that touches the Atlantic Ocean, about 16 miles between Massachusetts and Maine. So we get a little bit of ocean there, and the surfing is pretty good, I'm told. <laughs> and as a county captain for Team Trump 2024, what are you actually doing? What are your responsibilities? Uh, for me, it's been mostly getting to a lot of these events, just helping move the people through, helping set up uh, phone banking, uh, door knocking, making sure we're going to get the turnout at the polls that we really need to do. And this one is important because, of, as you've been saying, Nikki Haley is trying to come across as a real viable candidate. Um, and she you know, I don't believe she really is. I think Chris Christie stepped out when he did just to make it look like she was getting momentum coming in. Um, but we need everyone here in New Hampshire to come out and vote for Trump because we want to shut down any appearance of momentum that'll just cause more dollars to go the way of Nikki Haley and just drag this thing out further. So, Daniel, um you're talking to the grassroots. I mean, you're getting people out. You're calling voters, trying to get them out for Trump. And uh, so you have one-to-one -one contact with voters on a very personal level in your, in your county. What are they saying? Uh, the border is, is a big issue. Um, not only is, has everyone been watching the southern border for the last couple years, but now more and more we're hearing the news about people coming over the northern border out of Canada and coming into New Hampshire from above. So people are very concerned about that. Um, anyone that's gone to a grocery store knows how much prices are just soaring. Uh, it was buck eighty-eight a gallon when Trump left, and it's about three bucks now. It's it's just crazy what what prices have been doing it. So everyone is feeling that pain, um, and there's always concern about a flood of immigrants. I mean, we're a nation of immigrants. My wife is an immigrant, a legal immigrant, um, but to just overwhelm the systems, the schools, the uh, hospitals, people are, are starting to get concerned about that as well. It hasn't been as bad in New Hampshire, but it's starting to really, you're, you're starting to hear that buzz now as well. When you're phone banking and you're on the phone and you call up a voter and you said, you know, are you going to come out and vote for President Trump? And they say, no, I'm voting for Haley. Uh, are you getting, are they telling you why? Do they have a reason? Uh, yes, and it's actually very disturbing. In fact, one of the nice things about New Hampshire is 
It's a small state. It's very early on, so everyone comes here. Uh, I, I've got to talk to Kerry Lake. I've got to talk to Donald Trump, um, J.D. Vance just now. And you, you get to meet with all of these people. It's, more it's much more intimate. So you, you start hearing things. And I've talked to a number of people just within the state, and I'm not going to say any names because, as I said, it's a small state. But the best I can hear is them saying, we need younger blood. And it's like, well, what good is younger blood if they're going to take a year to two years with everything going on at this critical stage? Uh, we need someone that's going to hit the ground running, not someone who's going to learn the job because they're younger blood and don't have the experience. Donald Trump will hit the ground day one with the experience. In fact, one thing I've heard in talking to these people that comes through the state um, is it has been considered, I don't know how far or how true, but it's been considered by some people surrounding the Trump campaign that when he is elected, he takes the oath of office, turns around, signs a paper, and then gives his acceptance speech and explains the extent of the executive order that he just signed. I think that would be epic. I hope he does it. Um, but that's the kind of responsiveness we need. Think about that, think about that visual. Right. Because mm -hmm. I was at the inauguration in, I guess it was January 20th, 12 o'clock, 2017. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he puts his hand in the Bible, takes the oath of office, and then he gives his speech. And I thought it was a fabulous speech he made. I was, I was there and, and we talked about stopping the carnage. It was pretty good. But so what your visual is, he puts his hand on the Bible. He is sworn in as president. They hand him an executive order to close the border. He signs it. And then he makes a speech. Now that, makes what a speech. That, be the, what did that, that would define the whole first year. It sure it would. It's it like sure action, would. action, it would action. Be action. Would it be would epic. be. No question about it. Now, what about this? What about, well, I've been in the, the New, New Hampshire so many times, um, and I, we never had this, like, Democrats voting in Republican primaries. I mean, I've been coming here since uh, Jack Kemp, 88. And uh, by the way, the Kemp campaign in 80, one of my favorite campaigns, we got 20% here, finished third, and it was almost like DeSantis in uh, Iowa. Uh, the campaign operatives and, you know, Jack Kemp, Congressman at the time, they were just jubilant over their third place finish at 20%. And I went to the bar and I, I, I downed I downed four fingers of vodka in like eight seconds because the campaign was over. Yeah. And it was like, these guys are delusional. I mean, we're not going to win. We don't have any money. And we just finished third. Like it's over. It's kind of like DeSantis jumping and dancing around on stage. It's like, dude, you're done. Yeah. I've, I've been through this. But so I was here '88, and then uh, I was with Buchanan in '92, uh, and then uh, of course uh, Forbes in '96. It didn't win that one either. But uh, so lost a lot, a lot of them that I was here. But I never experienced Democrats voting in the Republican primary. Yeah. What is up with this? Well, I think there are, in fact, I've tested this even by, I'll go out sometimes with my keep Make America Great Again hat on, and I'll just go to the store and stuff like that, and I never get a negative comment, but I get an awful lot of smiles. So a lot of the Trump supporters, I believe, are kind of in stealth mode. I think a lot of them register independent, but are really Trump supporters. Now, driving in here, I saw a number of signs that said, independence for Nikki Haley. 
So I know there's a push. If you're a Democrat, you had to have signed up as a Republican or an independent last October. So Democrats, they've either done it by now or they haven't. But independents can change uh, well, they can vote in the Republican primary, and by doing so, they're automatically registered as a Republican. And if they want to go back to an independent, they have to fill out a form as they leave, and they'll be back as an independent. So if you're, if you're an un, they call it here unaffiliated voter or yes. independent. That's kind of the term, unaffiliated. So if you're an unaffiliated voter, independent, you can walk in and ask for a Republican ballot, but then you're automatically registered as Republican. Right. So you want to change that? for the next vote in the next Democrat primary or whatever you want to do, then you got to change it back to unaffiliated right. or back to whatever Correct. you do. So look, I mean, uh, that, that, but that's been going on for a hundred years. I mean, it's not like that's a new rule that somebody put in there. That's been going on for a hundred years. No problem. Uh, except now, now, what do you think of this? What do you think of the uh, Biden write-in thing? What is, what is the deal with that? Um, I think you've just got some Biden supporters who maybe they're embarrassed, they're frustrated. I don't know what the reason is that they um, are, are wanting to do this, but they want to write it in as though they think they're going to get Biden to win in New Hampshire, which I think is preposterous. I, I don't think there are enough Biden, Biden voters with the enthusiasm to even come out and vote, let alone uh, the ones that are going to come out and do a write-in. So I, I think it's crazy. It, it'll probably result in him getting a very low percentage. But what can you do? They slighted New Hampshire. They're going to have to lick their wounds afterwards. So because you still have the primary, the interesting thing I find out is no Democratic delegates from New Hampshire will be awarded, regardless of what the outcome is. There's Because they violated Biden's order, the DNC's order, which was to push this back, they're having it anyway, they don't get any delegates. So when you go to the convention, wherever in Chicago, if you're a Democrat in New Hampshire, there's no, de there's not even, a, you have to have those signs for the state, right? New Hampshire, Virginia, all that. There's not even going to be a sign there because there's no delegates. Now, what yeah. happens on the Democratic side? What, what happens when uh, Dean Phillips, the uh, obscure congressman from Minnesota, actually does win <laughs> the New Hampshire Democratic primary because, like, He's on the ballot. Biden's not. What? What? How is a state-run media going to spin that? You know, your guess is as good as mine. I I can't try and interpret what Democrats do sometimes, and this is certainly one of those bizarre things where why they. I, well, you just maybe them. they just didn't just want them to be that embarrassed by just, running flat yeah, out. Exactly. Well, they were they were afraid somebody would challenge them and beat them. Yeah. That's why they got it. They went to South Carolina, where uh, that was the first one they won. The last time, right? Maybe so, they're hoping the whole, with Nikki Haley being down there and Trump beating her, no one will notice how poorly Biden does in South Carolina because they'll be focused on the Republicans. Who knows? Okay, now tell me, uh, when I was to come here and, and I lost track, we were just came from Iowa. We were supposed to be here two days ago. <laughs> we just got here. Thank the good Lord for getting us here safely, getting just ahead of the snow. But uh, back in the day... The Manchester Union Leader, the newspaper, if yep. they made an endorsement, it was like a big deal. It was a big deal. It was a big deal back then. I remember in 96, uh, Forbes, I was uh, a Forbes supporter, Steve Forbes, and he had a big lead here. And at the last minute, the Union Leader came out and endorsed Pat Buchanan, who I was adamantly for in 92, but I was for Forbes in 96. And Buchanan ended up winning the primary based on that endorsement. What have they done now? You know, it's 
all of the sort of mainstream media type uh, conduits, newspapers, the television, you know, the main uh, TV channels, um, they just don't carry as much weight. I mean, I came here, I saw you here, and I'm thinking, wow, they want to talk to me. It's the war room. It's John Fredericks. It's like two for one. This is great. All we need is Mike Lindell to walk through the background, and we've got everyone. So it's I, a daily double. Yeah, yeah. This is okay. Got, do I do I have a minute? Okay, let's talk some foot, football. Okay, look, guys, I do sports. All right, I know Steve doesn't, but like I'm on a, I'm hosting his show. Don't forget, Godzilla wins tomorrow, 8 a.m. Bill Belichick, what's the deal? You happy about it? Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's time for him to go. I think without Tom Brady in there, um, he just wasn't making it. They worked. I mean, he was great, but he was part of a team. Think uh, of this, and I and I gotta go. I gotta go. Think it. Think of this. Tom Brady made Bill Belichick. Pete Carroll made Russell Wilson. Caroline Levitt, when I get back. The apples in your holiday pie taste amazing, but it's not exactly the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables. The Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and your cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day, which, as you know, is almost impossible. That's why you need to check out Field of Greens. Every fruit and vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like your heart, your lungs, your kidneys, and your immune system. Yo, folks, the holidays are here, and you need to stay healthy. Plus, you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier. Field of Greens is the simplest way to get those daily fruits and veggies, and it tastes amazing. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com. Use promo code Bannon. That's promo code Bannon at fieldofgreens.com fieldofgreens.com make sure you take take it today use your agency action 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 fieldofgreens.com promo code bannon here's your host stephen k bannon well i'm not stephen k bannon he's much better looking than me but i'm john fredericks trying to fill in for stephen k bannon he'll be back on monday on war room we're live here at the uh, at one of the best saloons ever in New Hampshire, and uh, JD Vance just had a big event. Now we got a lot of events. RV is going to be right there, covering it every inch of the way. So you want to follow our network. You want to follow the bus tour? You go to magabustour.com. Magabustour.com. We finally made it out of snowy Des Moines. Where it was 20, but everything froze. Right? I mean, our hydraulic system froze. We couldn't get the levelers up. That cost us time. Uh, Harry Oates, who's here with us, he had the big truck that froze. <laughs> they were there for days with us. So uh, the good news is, you know, we're here. We all made it. So anyway, it's great to have you go to uh, go to megabustor.com, megabustor.com. You know, one of the things that you, you look at this Mike Johnson cave, it's just unbelievable, right? Everybody's sick of him. And he's only been there two months because he doesn't do anything. He goes around with the glasses and, you know, caves into the caves into the swamp but you know what are the things that people aren't realizing what's going on here and i'm going to just i'm going to tell you the straight what like i always do one of the biggest problems we got with uh the republicans in congress is the hill staffers the hill staffers people that have been there for 10 20 years the so-called institutional knowledge right that you're always talking about because they've been there look they're they're a lot of these guys and gals 
They're just part of the swamp. They're just part of the establishment. They're just part of the status quo. They're just part of what happens. Let me tell you the biggest mistake that Mike Johnson made. As soon as he got in there, day one, he should have fired McCarthy's staff, his speaker's staff, and got all new people from the outside that had the moxie and had the courage to advise him to do the right thing. Instead, what does he do? He gets in there, and he's got the entire Kevin McCarthy staff. That's it. So he's got all of his staff members in his ear telling him, do this, do that. We can't shut the government down. Here's what happened in, with Newt Gingrich 30 years ago. And, you know, Clinton got the upper hand. Whatever it is that they're saying, it's the staffs that are a problem. And it's taken, it's taken me a while to figure this out. Like, what is going on with these people? Right? They're entrenched in there. They're almost as, they're almost as bad as the administrative state. I got to tell you, though, who figured it out? Let me tell you who figured this out. It took her three years. Let me tell you who figured it out. Nancy Mace, Republican Congresswoman, South Carolina, the low country. She's been there three years. You know, she didn't like what was going. She was getting a lot of bad advice. Do this, do that. All the establishment, go with McCarthy, vote for the debts, all this stuff. That's what her staff was saying. So she made a few changes here and there, you know, got a new person in the, uh, the legislative aid, got a new this guy, like kind of around the edges, right? Finally, she had enough. Nancy Mace has figured it out. She said it is the swamp of the Hill staffers are what is driving these deals, and they're pathetic. So here's what she did. She had the moxie to fire everybody in one day. She had a meeting. And she just fired the entire staff. She kept the assistant answering the phone. She cleaned house in one day. Now, all the news, Politico and everybody picked it up, and they called her a witch and mean Nancy, and she fired everybody, and everybody complained about her, and her chief of staff, Dan Hanlon, you know, took the popcorn machine out like a little weasel, right? All that went on. Nancy Mace figured it out. And then she took action. This is why she's one of the most, I don't agree with her on everything. It doesn't matter. Is one of the most effective Congress people in there because she does something. They fired a whole bunch of them. Now we find out, get this, she fires him. Now she finds out that Kevin McCarthy was making, was, uh, making secret deals behind her back with her chief of staff, Dan Hanlon, who she fired in that total massacre and wiping them out. So you got McCarthy calling her chief of staff trying to undermine the Congresswoman. This is what's going on there. This is why this whole thing has got to get ripped up from the bottom up. And Mace got it right now. Let me tell you how bad this is. She fires the chief of staff, Dan Hanlon, for selling her out to McCarthy behind her back. This is her chief of staff. I mean, imagine you're a Congresswoman and your chief of staff and his people that he's hired are stabbing you in the back with a speaker. This is unbelievable. So she fires him, and she fires them all, starts over. Guess what? Then Hanlon turns around and goes to McCarthy and tries to get his PAC money. He lives in Washington, D.C. This guy, Hanlon, who took the popcorn machine out, whatever, dude, is going to get an apartment in her district and run in a primary against her with McCarthy's money. I mean, th do you understand what we're up against here? This whole thing, it, from top to bottom, is so corrupt. The entire institution is corrupt. It's all corrupt. Now part of it is these Hill staffers on the Republican side. 
that have been there forever. They get go from job to job, office to office, then they go on a committee, then they get the majority, then they get more money, then they go on this committee. It's all a scam. We're all being scammed by these people. So now this guy, Dan Hanlon, her turncoat backstabbing, undermining chief of staff, is now going to run against her in a primary with McCarthy's money because she voted to get rid of McCarthy because he sold out every promise he made on spending. That's why she voted against him. Now her chief of staff, who she fired, is going to try to run against her and get rid of her so we can continue the swamp in D.C. If you really want to understand what is going on here, uh, the four years that I spent living in D.C. during the week when I was uh, covering the Trump White House, and I had a hard pass, and I, I went to those, uh, whatever they were, those press conferences every day with uh, Sean Spicer and then, uh, and then uh, Sarah Sanders and then Kelly McEnany. You go there during the week and you live there, you understand how corrupt that town is. The money that flows out, they, they, they're all, all the people there, they're all feeding off the pig trough. And I used to ask myself, all these people with these big cars, these big houses around Virginia, these mansions, what do, what do they do? Do they produce anything? No. Do they make anything? No. Do they grow anything? No. Do they manufacture anything? No. Do they invent anything? No. They're worse than the gangster banksters on Wall Street taking your money every day for moving paper around. They don't do anything either. This is the problem in this country. And the, the Washington, the whole infrastructure there is so corrupt. And it's all full of rats, right? Hanlon, rat. Stabs her boss in the back and then goes and runs against her with McCarthy's PAC money. It's unbelievable. The rats there. I got rid of the, the rats where I lived because I brought in Sammy the Cat for a week and a half. Stayed there for 10 days. Never saw a rat again. Sammy did his job. John Fredericks, filling you for Steve Bannon on The War Room. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay with us. Because we're taking down the CCP. Spread the word all through Hong Kong. We will fight till they're all gone. We rejoice when there's no more. Let's take down the CCP. I want to warn you of a huge change that could be coming to our money and our bank accounts. First, think back to 9-11, shortly after the government pushed through the Patriot Act. This gave the government power to spy on innocent Americans by monitoring our phone and email and tracking our movement across the Internet. Now, Jim Rickards, editor of the independent financial newsletter Strategic Intelligence and New York Times bestselling author, is warning about a coming event that could elevate this governmental surveillance to a terrifying new level. In fact, some of the guests I've had on The War Room believe that the government will soon expand their powers to track our every move. If we say the wrong things on social media, donate to the wrong causes, buy firearms, or even vote MAGA, the government may be able to shut us out of our bank accounts. I can't say for sure if this will happen, but it's an interesting and dire warning. Fortunately, Jim Rickards, an American patriot and friend of mine, has made it his mission to educate us on what he believes is coming and how to protect yourself from the possibility of programmable money. Watch Jim's warning video now before it's censored like I've been in the past. Go to RickardsWarRoom.com. That's RickardsWarRoom.com now to see the video. Early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart, and those you care about, please go to WarRoomHealth.com. That's WarRoom. 
WarRoomHealth.com. All one word, WarRoomHealth.com. Use the code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WarRoomHealth, all one word, WarRoomHealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.